Welcome to Your Story Matters, the show where we share inspiring stories from all around the world. After you've listened to this one, why don't you tell us yours? Share your story at yourstorymatters.net. But first, here's your host, speaker and writer, Angela Schaefers. Today I have the pleasure of interviewing Tina Clanuris Robinson. She is the founder of the Mia Foundation. She is a speaker and a writer, and she also enjoys sharing stories of others to encourage change throughout the world. Tina is going to share about her story today and talk about her organization, and I'm sure that everyone will be blessed with hearing some of the wisdom she's gained during a tragedy that she endured and how that's affected change in her own life and then rippled effect to change others' lives. Hi, Tina. Welcome to the show. Hi, Angela. It's great to be here. Thank you for having me. It's such a pleasure to talk with you, and I was so excited to look at your website and see some of the things that you're doing and read the blog and all those different things that are going on over there. But before we talk about the website and the organization, and even before we talk about what prompted the change in your life and how you went about establishing the foundation and why, can you share a little bit of your background and history with the listeners? Sure, absolutely. I'm from Nassau, Bahamas. I grew up here. Um, eventually, I went to university in England where I met my husband. And, um, and then I came back here and started my own business, um, making jewelry and Christmas ornaments. And, um, and so I, I live here now with my three sons and my husband, um, who's from Canada. And we, we're, we're excited to uh, move forward with all the projects that we're doing with the MIA Foundation. And I'm, I'm looking forward to sharing more about that on the show today. Well, that sounds like an exciting life. You've had some traveling and done different things. And, of course, that's always exciting when you have kids and <laughs> that keeps your life full. So can you talk about the point of when things happened for you that really was the starting point of the tragedy in your story that turned, of course, into triumph? Yes. Well, about seven years ago, almost seven years, I was pregnant with my daughter, Mia, and I had a son at the time, and we were so excited. We couldn't wait for her to come, and um, I talked to her often, and, you know, we, we got to this point where um, we were deciding whether to induce or have a natural birth. And inside, I had really wanted to have a natural birth, but I I went to the doctor and she said, you know what, we're going to induce. And there was a part of me that really wanted to say, no, 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 let's let's not induce, let's go forward with the natural, but I kept my mouth shut and I I stayed quiet. Mm -hmm. Um, So anyway, we, we went to the hospital for the induction because she said my baby was too big. And we actually went about a week and a half early. And... What happened was I was given a drug called Cytotec, which caused my uterus to hyperstimulate. And unfortunately, um, that then caused my uterus to tear from top to bottom in the front and in the back. Mm. So while I almost bled to death, my daughter Mia basically never never made it into this life. She died within me. And, and so, Angela, I was filled with so many emotions, as you mm. can imagine. Yes. Um, it, it was the worst possible nightmare um, that I could have ever imagined, and nothing prepares you for that. Right. The first, you know, few days and the weeks and the months, I, I just, it was just basically trying to survive, and I knew, I knew that I had to 
survive and be there for my son. But I wasn't quite sure how to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I started to um, experience extreme emotions of absolute, you know, anger, pain, suffering, and um, fear. But then I also felt these extreme emotions of absolute joy and gratitude. And I realized I knew that she came into the site for a purpose. Mm-hmm. I knew that already in so many days and, and eventually weeks and months, she had already begun to change my life. So I started to think, what is it that, you know, what is it that I'm going to make of this? Am I going to tell my story in a way that disempowers me, that, that's from a victim place and, mm-hmm. and be angry and sad and filled with fear? Or am I going to pick my life up and am I going to make something out of this? Am I going to look for the gifts and the blessings? Mm-hmm. And so I realized that from an early time, you know, almost just after she died, but it was a battle. It was hard. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. where I wanted to find healing, it wasn't always easy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there began my journey mm-hmm. of looking for ways to find my healing. Mm-hmm. That's powerful. And I'm so glad that you shared about not it not really being easy. And it wasn't instantaneous, obviously. But the idea behind finding some purpose in our tragedies, finding some sort of hope in that and something powerful to share with others is so important. And of course, that's what we do here at Your Story Matters is to try and find those messages of hope and inspiration and encouragement for others. And I know there's many, many people who have lost children, whether similar to your situation or later on in life, that have gone through so much grief and dealing with so many different emotions, as you mentioned. Do you think there are things about you that perhaps came from your past that gave you the ability to see things the way that you did, to not perhaps take a different path, which would have been one of anger and depression, maybe Mm -hmm. addiction, things like that, that made it different for you? Because sometimes those are the things, too, that we all need to look at. What did we already learn prior to an event Mm -hmm. that gave Mm -hmm. us certain strengths? Yeah, well, I come from a, a Greek family, so um, we're very emotional, <laughs> and we express um, very easily around each other. And and I think we've always been taught to express our stories within. You know, we we come from a family where we have long lunches, and we share the stories of the past. And, and I think a lot of the stories that my grandparents shared about their childhood and the years of war in Greece have in so many ways strengthened me, you know, and, and also just uh, I'm, I'm really interested in other people's stories. I, I'm always reading um, about people's life experiences. And I think that every story, every expression um, has given me a sense of, of new understanding of wisdom. And I, I really feel that I brought a lot of that with me. Mm-hmm. And I recognized the value and the importance of expressing my own inner stories. And as I was going through this, my family and friends gave me the space to express, to share. Um, and, and often it's the only thing I could do was just to tell the story over and over again of Mia, who she was, what I believe she came into this world to do. And I, I know that if you don't express the stories that are within it's almost like poison. It stays in there and it becomes anger. It becomes, it really does become fear. You know, there were definitely those times when I, I stayed quiet because I thought maybe people were tired of hearing me. They didn't mm-hmm. want to listen to the same old story again. And, and I realized that's when, that's when things got worse. That's when my, my, 
you know, the emptiness within and the, the, the fear and the, the pain just seemed that much deeper. And that's when I reached out to, you know, people I didn't know um, on Facebook and, you know, in my, my um, groups, my Yahoo groups of, you know, different forums of people who had lost children. And mm-hmm. It was very helpful to me. Mm-hmm. I'm and glad I, that you shared that because I think that's so important for people to realize that there's so many ways to find others to talk to. There's local groups in churches and organizations around us. There's tons of groups online where you can talk and share, and, and many of them are just wonderful places where you truly can feel that your space is honored and that you know it's everything will be held in confidence and things like that. And there's people that actually have gone through and understand your pain and your tragedy. So that is very important. I want to talk a little bit more about the anger part because, mm-hmm. of course, at firsthand hearing your story, it's more than likely someone would assume that this was a medical error and mm-hmm. someone needed to be held responsible in that manner. Mm-hmm. How did you deal with that aspect of the situation? Yeah. Well, um, you know, to be honest, very soon after Mia died, a lot of the staff and the doctors, they came and they said to me, you know, you're so lucky that you were in the hospital because you would have ruptured, you know, you could have potentially ruptured in your sleep and you would have died. And it was such a good thing that we happened to be here for you. And mm-hmm. I thanked them and I, I, I really trusted them all. And so when I found out maybe two weeks later that it was actually the medication that was given to me, um, we actually had some specialists review, review our records. And they noticed that for hours, my daughter struggled to breathe, that there were really um, severe heart dips. And and then we started to ask all these questions, and we started to get more answers from from the specialists and no answers from the doctors that, that dealt with me. And then I, I just started to realize this this is not okay. This was a huge case of gross medical negligence. And everybody that reviewed our records abroad confirmed that. But what was really perhaps, you know, into hindsight, when I look back, the hardest part was that, you know, we decided to, um, to take, take this to court. And we actually got nowhere with it. It was five years of fighting for what I know other mothers have been through, mm-hmm. knowing that they too have been told the lie, oh, it was your body, you know, mm-hmm. your body failed you. And, and feeling like I have to stay quiet because I couldn't write about it. I couldn't speak about it because, you know, the, our lawyers basically said, stay quiet, don't say anything. Right. So when I look back on it, I realized that it, it in many ways hindered my healing because no longer could I face her. No longer could I have conversation with the doctor that I believe, you know, was responsible. Everything was through lawyers. And I, I guess my experiences later would help me to believe that, in many ways, I wish if I could have done it all over again, that maybe I would have done that part differently. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we did not go to court eventually. I mean, we, all of that was pre-court. We didn't go to court because we couldn't afford it. Mm-hmm. And um, that was more anger for me because we, we essentially went into debt because of all the expenses incurred um, after our loss and because of it. So I, I blamed her. I blamed her. I blamed myself for listening to her. I was so angry with myself. I, I sometimes hated my body for, you know, failing, or I hated myself for not speaking up and saying, you know, I don't want to be induced. I want to have a natural delivery. Mm-hmm. So I, I struggled with the if-onlys, the what-ifs, but I realized that that anger 
that hatred, all of that was not my essence. I realized, Mm. you know, and I'm a very spiritual person. I pray a lot. And I, I just kept saying to God, teach me what I need to know. Lead me to the people and places that will help me to find my healing. Mm-hmm. And and essentially, I guess that's what led me to a woman um, by the name of Immaculate Libigisa and Rwanda. And that essentially is where my healing came. And that's where a lot of my anger, pain, um, and hurt was shifted and transformed into something powerful and new. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's beautiful. And, and I love everything that you're saying because I can totally resonate with the feelings and, and the outcome being necessary to, to go on. And as yeah. you said, I mean, you had at the time a husband and one son. And so mm-hmm. there were obviously reasons that you needed to heal and move forward before we talk about your experience in Rwanda and things that mm-hmm. occurred after that, are there just some tips that you can share with the listeners that would help them in that immediate time of need? Because as you know, that that grief and that anger and the pain and all of it together is mm-hmm. so overwhelming and so much. Are there some things that you could say helped you through at the onset? Yes, yes absolutely. Well, first of all, um, and I've, I've seen it in other people that I've met along the way, it is so important, like I said, to express your grief and pain. Don't keep it inside. Find somebody who will hear you, who will listen to you. But something that I learned for myself very early was that I, I realized I had to find gratitude even in the pain. Mm. I had to find gratitude in my life and in the experiences that were happening every day. Um, and I, I didn't know how to do that. How do you find gratitude for the loss of your child? How do you find gratitude mm-hmm. when you blame yourself? How do you find gratitude? You know, so I had to start small. I had to get to this place where I thought, well, what can I be thankful for? Okay, I can be thankful that I did not die, that my son has me, mm-hmm. um, that didn't lose his mother. I can be grateful that I have hands, that I have feet, that I can walk and run and uh, thank you for the sky and thank you for the trees and the animals. And, and I just started as, as, a mantra, as, as a practice, literally as much and as often as I could from the moment I woke up just saying, thank you, God, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And that immediately, that would shift everything. Mm-hmm. And then I really started to be conscious of my thoughts my words and my actions. Mm -hmm. And I mean, when I say conscious, I mean really, really aware, knowing that whatever I put my attention on, that's what I was going to get more of. That's what I would attract into my life. So it was important for me to feel my pain, important for me to feel the deep grief and, and everything that comes with that. But just as much as I would feel that, I knew it was equally important to bring something positive to that. Mm-hmm. Bring the blessing, bring the, the gratitude. And so I never allowed myself to stay anywhere too long. Mm-hmm. I knew it was important for me to look for the good in everything. Mm-hmm. And, and so very soon I started saying, thank you, God, for this amazing angel, my daughter that chose to come through me, that that came into my life, that has changed it. I know there is a purpose. Help me to realize that purpose and make it a reality. Thank you, thank you, thank you. That, if those, those are just the three things that I can give, is to be mm-hmm. conscious of your words, bring gratitude into your life, and speak and express your story. I would say those were the main 
uh, the main things that really, really helped me to move my grief and, and shift it and transform mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. That's powerful and all wonderful things that I've put into practice myself mm-hmm. so I can relate yeah. to how helpful that can be. And, and one thing that helped me to remember is that it was really always about one day at a time, one step at yeah. a time, and not letting ourselves be overwhelmed with the mm-hmm. idea that we have to get to a point of not feeling grief because right. we may always grieve someone mm-hmm. or something and that's okay but it's moving through that and finding the healing and as you said the gift and the story and and the tragedy yeah and i also found that um you know there were times that i feared um because i could it, it almost felt like a wave i would feel it coming and then i knew that when it came, it would hit me like a bomb and it would just destroy me, you know, and that, mm-hmm. you know, the panic attacks and, and the, the absolute deep pain, um, aching where you feel it through every part of your body, you feel it through your toes, your legs, your, your stomach, your chest, everywhere. And so when I would feel it coming, oh my gosh, what do I do? I'd start to panic. And a dear friend of mine said, ride it like a wave and see where it needs to take you. Mm. And I, I imagine that every time I'd feel it coming, I would imagine myself just riding it and knowing that it would take me somewhere. Mm-hmm. And each time that place that it takes me, it's a new place. And I embrace that place knowing that I'm moving forward. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Powerful, powerful. Thank you for sharing that. What happened then when you got involved with Rwanda? You went there actually. Yeah. And I would love for you to share a part of that, of your story and how sure. that evolved into the foundation. Sure. Okay. Well, I'll begin with the reason why I went to Rwanda. I had traveled to the I Can Do It conference in Orlando, Florida, and I had gone to a workshop given by Immaculate Ilibigisa. I had read her book already about um, her experience of the genocide and how she had lost every family member, all except one brother who happened to be away at the time. Um, But for, for those of you who don't know about the genocide in Rwanda, in the course of three months, over one million men, women, and children were slaughtered. And, and so obviously none of us can imagine what that would be like. But I was moved by her story um, in so many ways. It, it kind of, you know, it reminded me that if this is a woman here who's experienced so much pain, and, and well, this is the big part, that she was able to go to the prison and meet the man who had killed her father. And she actually looked him in the eye and she said, I forgive you. Mm. And she really, truly felt that from a soul level. Mm -hmm. So I thought, if you can do that, if she can do that, well, I I have to try. And at that time, I really needed healing in terms of um, feeling forgiveness for myself and to those who I felt were responsible. Mm -hmm. And so when the opportunity to go to Rwanda with her came, um, I didn't know immediately. To be honest, I, I imagined Rwanda, and I thought, oh, wow, I could never go to that place. That's, you know, it, it felt like an evil place full of, you know, death and destruction, and, and I, I knew that there were all these people who had been let out of prison who had killed, and it, it was, there was absolutely no part of me that wanted to go. Mm-hmm. But perhaps in the months that followed, um, perhaps it was a part of my prayer, uh, where I just kept saying every day, it was, it, it's my prayer uh, constantly throughout the day as well, God, teach me what I need to know. 
Mm-hmm. Show me what I do not know and help me to experience and lead me to the people that will help me to be what it is I'm supposed to be and to understand this pain and grief that has been given to me. Mm. And then one day I got a letter saying, you know, this is the group. We're all going. Uh, please pray for us while we're away. We're leaving in three weeks. And I just looked at that and I thought, I'm supposed to be on this trip. And in a matter of a few hours, everything was planned. My ticket was booked, and that was that. I was on my way to Rwanda. Wow. So, yeah, so when I got to Rwanda, um, it's just one of those experiences. From the moment you, uh, from the moment you breathe and you, you smell the air and you walk on the ground, I can't even explain it, but I had this feeling of I'm coming home. I don't mm-hmm. know why, but that's what I felt. Mm-hmm. And with every story I heard from men, women, and children, I began to feel something shifting within me. From every chance that I got to share my story, to listen, and also to, to do acts of kindness, to give, to um, just, just basically to connect with mm-hmm. people, I realized so much in my life was changing. And so... I came back from that trip having been completely inspired, moved and changed by all these amazing stories of people who had experienced genocide, they had survived it, and who had forgiven people, who had, um, you know, who had come out as being more empowered and stronger than they had ever been. I realized there was something really powerful to this. Mm-hmm. So fast forward, I actually went on two more trips to Rwanda. I began working with different agencies over there, organizations that worked with street kids, women with HIV and AIDS, especially uh, the victims of genocide, and the reconciliation villages there. I can tell you now that my life will never, ever be what it was. Mm -hmm. Everything about those experiences there completely altered my life path, changed it, and I realized that I had to share everything that I experienced there because I believed it could also be healing for others. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. There's so much to learn in others' pain and grief and stories. And, and as you said, to just realize that there is the ability to move on, to have forgiveness for self and others. That's just huge. And, and that is sometimes the very thing that prevents people from moving on and from finding peace in a situation that they can't change. Yes. So what was it that made you decide to start the Maya Foundation? And tell us about the foundation itself. What is your goal there and your mission? Sure. Well, to be honest, from the moment I stepped foot in Rwanda and started to experience some of the stories, I realized I wanted to have a foundation in Mia's name, but I really didn't know what it would do and what it would be. And it wasn't until more recently that I realized, um, you know what, I really do believe that my daughter came into my life to help me to make life connections with people, Mm -hmm. to connect others with with other people's stories, and and to realize the power that one story has to literally transform a person's life, Mm -hmm. um, communities, and even the world. Yes. Um, You know, uh, there were so many stories, Angela, that I... If I told you any one of those stories, I believe that those, those stories will literally, they'll stay in your heart and impact some part of your being mm-hmm. um, because they were so powerful. I don't know if you want me to share any of those stories before I talk about the foundation. I don't know how much time we have, but 
there were some really, really profound experiences there. So the foundation is about the power of stories, essentially, that every story moves us. And one of the projects of the Mia Foundation is to help people to share their stories. So we have a story bracelet project. And what that is, is on every story bracelet is the handprint from somebody somewhere in the world who has shared their story. Mm. And on the inside of the bracelet is the person's name, the country they're from, with a link to the Mia Foundation. And people who wear those bracelets will then go and they'll log on to the Mia Foundation and find that story. What I think is really powerful about this, first of all, is that the, the profits made from these bracelets go right back to the people and communities who have shared these stories. But what I really love is that we're getting these bracelets into schools all over the world. Mm-hmm. And the, the fun part about this is that children are being exposed to stories and experiences that they might never have had the chance to learn about in school or in their communities. Right. But they're, they're excited about the bracelets. They're wearing them. They're sharing them with each other. They're trading. And they say to each other, what's, what's the story you have? Oh, wow, this is the story I have. And so far we've seen such a powerful, powerful experience of, of children sharing with each other. And that's mm-hmm. what we want with the Mia Foundation. We want sharing of stories because we believe that in this day and age, so, so many of us have forgotten how to share not only our personal stories, but the stories of others. We don't necessarily have the ritual of sitting around a fire every night and listening to the stories um, as they did in the old days. And so the Mia Foundation is in an attempt hoping to bring back what was lost and to inspire people, move them, heal them, transform them, and, and help them to essentially find their purpose through the power of other people's life experiences and stories. Mm, that's wonderful, and I love it. Of course, it's very much aligned with what we're doing here at Your Story Matters, and and totally agree with and believe in the power of encouraging and inspiring others through our stories, and obviously creating connection. I mean, that's uh, one of the things that is sometimes lacking in the world, especially with the ability to connect via internet. We're sometimes not talking in our own communities, in our own circles, in our own families, and sharing things that need to be shared. So I love, love what you're doing, and I'm sure there's been a lot of wonderful things that have come from what you've done so far, and and much more to come. I was looking at your website, and I wanted to ask you to share with the listeners what the name Mia means and why you chose that name. Of course. Well, when I was pregnant with Mia, I had listened to um, Saban Fusome, a woman from Burkina Faso, explain why, why in their culture they are very, very careful about what they name their child. And it's because they, they know that a child comes into this life with a great purpose. And so you take time with that name and you, you find a name that so many ways expresses what that purpose is. Mm-hmm. So I was on bed rest for almost two months with Mia. And I kept looking for a powerful name, a name that meant something. And to be honest, I, I couldn't find anything. But I kept, I kept feeling this need to call her Mia. And, you know, my, my Greek family kept saying, Mia, that means one. Why would you call her Mia? And nothing about one registered at that point. It was just, well, I like the name. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you, uh, we, we ended up calling her Mia. And it wasn't until about a year and a half later 
while I was in Rwanda, having an experience there where um, I was in the, the reconciliation village and the killers and the victims were asked to face each other. And Pastor Deo, who was organizing this, this whole um, event here, he asked them to look into each other's eyes and he said, tell me what you see. And I realized that everybody had this realization. I wasn't mm-hmm. sure what it was at the time. But then he asked somebody and he says, what do you see? And the man who happened to kill six family members of the other, of the woman he was looking into her eyes. And he said, I see a reflection of myself. Mm-hmm. And then she into his eyes and she said, I see a reflection of myself. Mm-hmm. So he said, can you then see that if you can find a part of yourself in the other, you could not hurt that person. To kill another is to kill a part of yourself. To hurt another is to hurt yourself. To love another is to love yourself. And so, Angela, in that moment, I sat with tears falling, and I mm-hmm. realized it was my daughter that led me to this place. It was my daughter that is the reason I've had all these experiences. And what I know she came into this life is to help me to see the power of oneness and how amazing it is that we are all connected in this life, and we all have a place and purpose, and what we do to each other affects us all. And so every day we live our life knowing that, that we are not doing what we are doing for ourselves only. It is for the whole of humanity. Mm, and powerful. That, that to me, is a, yeah, it's, it's one of the reasons why we, we, we really decided that it had to be called the Mia Foundation. Mm-hmm. And it's a place where people from all walks of life, all sorts of experiences can come together as one in a community and share stories with each other and communicate and, and heal together. Mm, I love it. That's very profound, and I'm sure there's so many wonderful things you could share about your experiences and how you've come about just growing and learning in this whole process. How would people get a hold of you and find out more about your foundation? If you are interested in going to the foundation, you can go to um, www.themia, spelled M-E-A-H, foundation, F-O-U-N-D-I-T-I-O-N dot org. And you can also email me at tina at org, And I'd love to connect with you. I'd love to hear your story. So please do check it out and connect with us. And um, if there's anything that we can do to help you get your story out to the world, we would love to do that. Wonderful. Tina, thank you so much for sharing a part of your story, for being open and vulnerable enough to open your heart to share with others so that they can be encouraged and inspired by what you've learned on your journey so far. And obviously you're doing wonderful things with the Mia Foundation. And I really appreciate you joining us today and sharing with your Story Matters listeners. Thank you. It's been my pleasure to be on the show. And I really thank you for allowing me the space to share and and to to talk about the, the stories and life experiences that I've had. Thank you.